Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rabbit Weasel Podcast, episode 36. This is our 2021 Christmas special. So, Merry Christmas. And if you don't do Christmas, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, hello, yeah. Hello, everybody. Um, that's Mia, my sister in law. Mia, how are you? I am moment? good. The last one of the year? Uh, no, we have one more. One more. We oh. also have a New Ooh. Year's episode. Good New Year's, um, Eve. New Year's Eve episode. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's Justin, of course. I don't know. We're 36 episodes in. Just uh, We always introduce people in case you <laughs> Justin here. Good to be back. So, my Super. brother. Um, so, I guess, <laughs> I don't know, well, kind of break the fourth wall here and say it's not really Christmas time here yet. Uh, we're in November because we're trying to get everything ready in time but um i don't know i guess is it christmas time there i guess everything's already in the stores and the commercials are on tv probably uh mariah carey is playing in the stores <laughs> already uh there's christmas music i have seen trees on people's roofs already that they're taking back home the christmas tree people are out selling their stuff so i would think it's about. It started, yeah. We uh, we drew the line at uh, trees before Thanksgiving Day. That's where I personally draw the line. I have so, no line. Um, so. we, have, we don't have a tree yet, um, but we will <laughs> by the end of November. So it won't yeah. be that much longer. My thought has always been that Christmas should be constrained uh, to December, but I know I'm a, that's a losing battle, so I just accepted it. But um, you know, I over here, I walked into my classroom. And there's a bunch of little kids being, they're playing, all I want for Christmas is you. When I walk <laughs> Was it the Mariah Carey version? Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that's awesome. So <laughs> the little kids are, you know, they, they're starting to learn their Christmas song and their Christmas song is Mariah Carey. And I told the teacher, like, I know maybe you just don't understand being an American. <laughs> Well, all these songs are fun for you. For us, we're, we've been sick of them for years, but um, okay. Doesn't Christmas start uh, early at your household? Uh, not till Thanksgiving, not to the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. Yeah, as kids, we would always set up the tree, what, the day, day after Thanksgiving, I think? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, but anyways, oh, we also missed another good opportunity to do Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh. Um Oh yeah. yeah. Oh man, maybe Next we can year. just sneak it in. Maybe we can just sneak it in. But that's not horror. Sure it is. It's a ghost story. It's a ghost story. Sure. Yeah, I mean the Muppet one isn't super scary, uh, <laughs> but the story itself uh, is uh, it's pretty creepy. Yeah, I would like to do maybe one of the older movies, older adaptations. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Yeah, See, but I, yeah, maybe. The FX version was pretty dark, the one that you watched. Oh, last yeah, year. that might be fun too. Yeah, some were pretty yeah. dark. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, and the original story is great. But, uh, anyways, uh, last year we did Krampus. I think we did Krampus. That's a good one. Oh, uh, Lucille. <laughs> 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 That's a good movie. I liked it. It was good. But this year, um, another. If you're feeling grumpy around Christmas time, this is a good Lucille. one to go with. <laughs> she would never shut up, would she? Poor Lucille. Mm. What? Wasn't it Lucille that though was the wife? 
Uh, wooden. No. No. It was the the Hummer. The right. Are you talking about the vehicle? I can't yeah. remember the name. Lucille, yes, was the Hummer, the big vehicle. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so go listen to that one from last year. Yeah. But this year we are talking about um, one of the true great Christmas horror movies. This is Black Christmas from 1974. Okay, so first off, this is made by Bob Clark. Um, Bob Clark later made another um another important christmas movie called a christmas story you guys remember that one that was him that's the one where the tongue gets stuck to the pole right that yeah played every year yeah so uh but he did this one first he also did uh porkies you guys seen porkies Uh -uh. 80s raunchy comedy but more importantly to me and maybe to fans of this podcast uh or listeners of the podcast he made Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things in 1972, which is really? a little film. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen Children, uh, anybody listening, if you haven't seen Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, it's a fun, weird little zombie, low-budget zombie movie. Um, Justin, I think you watched that one with me once, yeah, didn't you? I, yeah, I probably watched it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so let's start off with Justin. Did I show you Black Christmas before? I feel like this is one I, I had you watch at some point. Do you remember? I don't remember seeing Black Christmas before hmm. we watched it for the episode. Okay. What about you, Mia? Have you ever seen this one? No, I have not. I have not seen this movie. My first time. All right. Well, uh, Mia, you go first. What did you think about it? Did you like it? I did. I really liked this movie. It was go really ahead. good. Really entertaining. Um, I always had some kind of like comment or funny <laughs> side comment <laughs> about it. Put the phone down! <laughs> <laughs> Um, but um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really well done. Good. Okay. And what about you, Justin? What did you think? Yeah, I liked it. Um, there were a few very frightening moments, um, like genuinely frightening. Uh, and I also liked some of the acting. It was kind of, uh, it was, the characters were kind of fun. The sorority house was kind of a fun group of uh of folks and so and the movie keeps you guessing and leads you in some directions and uh so it's even got a nice kind of arc to it oh what were you guys <laughs> you guys are bad about um when we say hello you start talking about the movie before we hit record so i'm like just just start recording <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what were you saying before the uh before we started recording about this movie it was a. Uh, a real movie or something like that oh yeah <laughs> unlike blood freak uh, it's an actual movie that <laughs> they bothered to pull it together in like a theatrical style version of a film rather yeah. than like something you and i could do with a handheld today uh it's like an actually produced film with audio that matches the video and there's uh yeah some like actual cinematography uh in this yeah film. if you missed it our last episode, our Thanksgiving special, was Blood Freak from what was that seventy two, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was that was something. Um, paper mache turkey heads. Paper mache turkey head. <laughs> experimental turkey meat that drives hippies crazy. Uh, <laughs> Mixed with unnamed drugs. <laughs> yeah, unnamed drugs. Just drugs. Just drugs. Um, All drugs are bad. Okay. Drugs are drugs. Okay. Drugs. drugs are bad. Okay. 
okay, well, this movie, uh, there's a lot to say about this movie. I think this one is a legitimate classic. Uh, I first saw it probably, oh, it's been over 10 years now. Um, and I thought it was a really good movie. I wasn't expecting much. My friend was like, hey, there's an old slash movie called Black Christmas. Um, and usually, you know, you don't expect much when there's like um, a title like that, like a kind of, it's kind of a gimmicky title, you know, it has Christmas in the, ti- uh, in the title, uh, but I watched it and I was really surprised, like, oh, that's actually a really good, creepy movie, um, yeah. but it's based off of the old urban legend that everyone's heard about, you know, there's a babysitter alone in the house and she keeps getting phone calls, um, and in some of the stories, it's, you know, they call the police and the police say, it's coming from upstairs. Um, so that's what this is based off of. And except in this movie, it starts off with by telling us the killer is upstairs. So that kind of takes away a little bit of it. You know? yeah. um, but uh, do, do you remember hearing that um, that urban legend as a kid about, I don't know, it's, it's a very famous one. I mean, I think by the time I was paying attention to horror, the Scream movies were out. Mm. And in my mind, that's the like the creepy phone call and the killers nearby is what I have in mind for this. So I don't remember stories pre that, but that's my other reference point for this kind of general plot line. Yeah, I think my as a kid, I would read you know, a lot of urban legend-based horror stories. Um, That's where a lot of it started for me. So I was familiar with this kind of story format. And as we talked about in um, The Ring, this is kind of a movie that couldn't exist uh, today because we have caller ID (laughs) and cell phones and no one has like trace phone calls. You know, there's no one (laughs) running around somewhere trying to find where the phone call is coming from. Um, but I'm sure at the time it's, it's a very frightening concept, you know? So what else can say, uh, a lot of people will consider this, how how did you guys watch this movie? This comes up a lot. Did you watch it on, where did you watch it? So we watched it on Tubi and we have a projector screen set up in our living room. So we streamed it from Tubi on our projection screen in our house at night. I watched this one um, with Joe Bob Briggs, the last drive-in show on Shudder. I think we he comes up sometimes because yeah. whenever I can, I like to watch that version of the movie. Um, it's very informative. But um, so one thing that he talked about and that he's discussed a lot, a lot of people call this the first slasher movie. Um, and that's debatable. I've often said that. The more I think about it, though, sometimes I might want to take it back a little bit. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it might be the first slasher movie. You've got a group of young people um, who are not be always behaving the way that they're supposed to behave, you know, by s- social rules or whatever. And there's some killer going around slaughtering them all, right? Yeah. Um, it is definitely the first holiday-themed um, slasher movie. You know, later we would have Halloween, uh, April Fool's yeah. Day, all kinds of stuff like that. This is where that started. Um, so I do think without this movie, you might not have Halloween. Um, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, Halloween has the same backstory, uh, same urban legend basis. Like, oh, there's a babysitter and there's phone call. Well, 
that took a different part of the urban legend. That one has an actual babysitter. There's no phone calls. Michael Myers isn't calling anybody. But uh, <laughs> uh, and this one you don't have the phone calls, but you do have this one you do have the phone calls, um, but no babysitters there. They're made into older people. But um, slasher movies, yeah. We also have Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out the same year, so. Mm-hmm. That's another candidate. Um, I want to say there was one episode where, where I kind of went off on a rant about slasher movies. Do you guys remember what that was? We talked about the history. Was it Halloween? I can't remember. I can't remember either. But anyway, <laughs> here we go again. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking yesterday, uh, I was coming up with a list of movies for us to cover in the future. And I'm having a hard time remembering, wait, did we do that one? <laughs> we already that point in the podcast history. We're... There's over 30, so it's kind of hard to keep them all straight. But anyways, a brief background on the slasher genre. So uh, some people say Psycho by Alfred Hitchcock, which we covered that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This gave me some vibes from Psycho, actually. Uh, Some of the long, drawn-out scenes and the dramatic, then rushed-up kind of killings remind me a little bit of Psycho. Yeah, and we're dealing with a killer with some sort of mental health issues, obviously. Yeah, Yeah. the multiple voices thing is another one, I guess, that, yeah, that's a good point. Like Like split personality kind of thing, like Norman Bates. So so Psycho, some people call that the first slasher movie. Uh, No one ever talks about Dementia 13, but anybody out there? (laughs) Dementia 13 kind of goes out there <laughs> anyways um the giallo movies um were a big inf- influence on the genre too um italian mm-hmm. movies mm. so but anyways i think around this time is when it really the formula started to get made and then of course halloween friday the 13th and it was well on its way but um i don't know anything else to say about the movie before we get into get into the plot i guess if you haven't seen it, watch it. Can we both say we recommend all of us say we recommend it? Yes. It's yeah. creepy. If you're looking for a good horror, it's definitely creepy. It's got good humor too. And good dialogue yeah. also. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into all of it. Okay. So what's the the setting of this movie, guys? It's uh where are we? We're well, in a sorority house. Sorority house around Christmas time. Yeah. Mia, were you in a sorority? I was not. I did. I was not about that Greek life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It doesn't surprise me that you weren't. (laughs) (laughs) You're not really the type. But did you hang out in sorority houses? I don't know. Nope. No, you were completely separate from that. Okay, so um, (laughs) that's a dead lead. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just surprised. Like, I've never never been in a sorority. I didn't know anybody that was in a sorority. Um, so I was interested to see that the, the sorority had like, I guess like a house mom or yeah. that was much, much older. Mm-hmm. Is that normal? I don't know. It's also a Canadian movie. Maybe it's normal in Canada in the seventies. I don't know. I mean, I, when I lived in the dorms on college, we had a, was our, what did they call it? An RA mm-hmm. floor person? Yeah, res- resident assistant. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't like an older person. It was just. Well, a few years older, you know, another college student. But uh, so, yeah, this is a movie that takes place in a sorority house. With a setting like that, this movie is, there's a lot less exploitation than you would expect. You know, a few years later in the 80s, if a movie like this was made, um, 
be a little different. But Bob Clark said he intentionally. There's no nudity in this movie for one. Um, right. There's no. The women are like semi-realistic human beings. You know, they're not uh, stock characters. They're not just there to be naked or anything like that. And Bob Clark said he did that on purpose. You know, he wants us to have real people, which I appreciate because uh, some later horror movies get really annoying with the fake characters. Yeah, the characters uh, are fairly memorable and have kind of personalities and they have different levels of resilience or different levels of kind of trauma on display. So yeah, they're real characters. And there's some actual issues being brought up here that we'll get into a little bit. Mm -hmm. um but yeah canadian this is a canadian film canadian sorority house killer movie uh which isn't as fun as it sounds <laughs> it's kind of a serious movie actually yeah. um but so we start off with the pov shot of someone sneaking into the house oh it's christmas time in case anyone wasn't able to figure that out <laughs> based on the title of the movie um so someone sneaks in and they go up into the attic. Okay. And then the women start getting obscene phone calls. Um, well, actually they get an obscene phone call and everyone gathers around to listen to it. Um, and it's made the dialogue. You can tell this has been going on at least a few times. Okay. So here I want to talk about um, just a little bit about the, the phone calls themselves, because I think, the phone calls are probably the freakiest part of this whole this movie. I don't know. Would you agree with me? Yeah, yes. definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. so. There's one or two parts near the end that are maybe creepier, but to me, what really makes this movie is the phone calls. So I want to ask, um, were you guys able to, how much were you able to understand? Because it's very hard to make much sense of the phone calls. So... What I was able to understand was that this was sounded like at first I thought it was like the victim, like also like um, him kind of like or the killer talking to the victim or torturing the victim as he's doing like two different voices or two different personalities because you would hear like somebody struggling in the background and I could never tell. And I don't think that's ever actually really addressed. And so but I believe it's the the killer doing you know saying profane things to women it's mostly like torturous um sexual in nature just to like provoke them and just aggressive abusive um things to them mm -hmm. yeah we um we had uh, subtitles on uh -huh. and so we could read some of it through the we were watching on Tubi, and uh, yeah, I mean the first first call is is more sexual mm -hmm. than some of the later ones. They kind of turn from like creepy sexual aggression, verbal aggression kind of stuff to something that has to do with a cast of characters and uh, yeah, so multiple voices. So it kind of starts with something that seems like kind of like a prank sick pervert call and then turns into something potentially even darker i guess mm -hmm. yeah so i'd recommend the first time i don't know maybe watch the movie one time without subtitles because it's kind of creepy when you're you're just hearing nonsense and then something will jump out at you and you're like whoa what was that you know mm -hmm. um so that's really creepy 
but then watch the movie again with subtitles. This was the first time I watched it with subtitles and you catch a lot more and you can kind of piece things together. There's a bit of a mystery um, going on there. But yeah, the, like you said, the first one is like, it just seems like a dirty phone call, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then one of the girls says something to him and <laughs> he says, I'm going to kill you in a normal voice and hangs up. Jeez. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, but yeah, the phone, the phone calls are great. And as you, as they go on, it seems you get a little more about the, the killer and what's going on in his head. So, but I guess we'll, we'll come back to that later at the end. I want to talk about some theories about the killer, but, um, we get our first kill scene, which is poor Claire, uh, Claire, 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 do you guys remember how Claire, the first girl gets killed? Uh, yeah, she gets wrapped by what looks like the wrapping, the plastic wrapping that they put on clothes. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Suffocated. Yeah. And to shoot that scene, they actually had, uh, I mean, that's really her with plastic over her face. So she had to hold her breath for long times with plastic covering her face, which is pretty creepy. But that this this image recurs throughout the film. You know, you see her a lot just there choked and I don't know why it's not gory. This isn't a gory movie at all, but that image is very disturbing. Um, And she keeps coming back. Like sometimes the killer is rocking her in the chair. Yeah, yeah, creepy stuff. So Claire, the first one, she gets a plastic bag. She's strangled by a plastic bag that then stays with her for the rest of the movie. So next, um, so Claire's dead, but... Nobody knows. So this is another part of the slasher formula that comes up later is people are dying. And at least for a while, no one knows because she went to bed and the killer got her silently. So, but the next day, her father uh, supposed to meet her in town, but she never shows. Okay. And here I want to talk about uh, the comedy in the movie. You guys brought it up earlier because this is for the most serious movie, uh, but there is a lot of funny stuff here. Um, I thought I thought most of the comedy worked. I don't know. Did you guys have any any memories um, or any memories as if this, this happened a long time ago? <laughs> Anything from the movie, any comedy that you liked from the movie? I've got a bunch of examples written down here. Um, the fellatio joke was pretty funny. <laughs> um. All right, go ahead. Explain that one to us, Mia. <laughs> What's the fun? What's the- go ahead. <laughs> I think Justin would have been. No, you go right ahead. <laughs> But we're not to that point yet. Should I explain when we get to the yeah, point? Yeah, go go ahead. We don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the girls, uh, Barbara, uh, when Barb. they go Barb, when they go to the police station, um, is they're they're get, getting a hard time from one of the police officers who just doesn't want to do anything and doesn't really care about a missing girl. That and is Nash, so, the stupid one. Yeah, and so she's like what's your phone number so I could note your complaint down and she's giving him the phone number but of course she's gonna mess with him because he's being an asshole so she then lets him know that the phone number is what does she call it a new what a a new I'm not sure a new extension or something something like that and then she spells it out for him because he she's like fellatio (laughs) like what and she's like yeah it's a new I can't remember what the term she is but then he's like 
okay and then she's like he's like can you spell it out for me and she spells it out for him and then of course he becomes the butt of the joke with the rest of the cops <laughs> yeah that was great because yeah well at first he looks at her like did you really just say that but then you realize that he really doesn't know what she's talking about so he just goes along with it uh yeah and then the cops call him out on it several times later my favorite part is when he goes Later, the cops laughing at him. He goes, oh, I know. It's something dirty, isn't it? And they just die laughing. Um, but yeah, he's the stupid cop. He comes up a lot in this movie. <laughs> and uh, But oh, a note, apparently, this is something I heard from Joe Bob. Um, that actor really did not know what the word meant. You know, I mean, go back 1974. <laughs> and so instead of asking what it meant, he just decided it would be better if he played along. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so it's kind of a double joke on him. Uh, what else you've got? Um, the the um, the Santa Claus with the naughty mouth. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ho ho ho! Shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what what is he mad about? His girl? Oh, his girlfriend's not gonna hang out with him or something. Yeah. She's, um, she's going to the cabin with the rest of the girls, and he was not happy about it. Yeah, I think he's partially drunk. and But the thing is, he's there with the little kids. And the little kids are, he's just still swearing. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny, but it is. Um, oh, it's Barb. I was going to say Mrs. Mack. Barb's good, too, though, with her kind of. Oh, we'll get to Miss Mack. But uh, Barb, so Barb is the one with the, the fellatio joke. Um she she has a lot of great stuff. There's one where she's getting the kid drunk. Did you guys? Oh my god! Yeah, I saw yeah. that. <laughs> that was hilarious. She's giving the kid liquor or beer or something in front of Claire's dad, and she's drunk. And then she's laughing about the kid being drunk. I'm like, whoa, this girl has problems. Um, <laughs> but um, we'll we'll come back to her. What is, she also tells the story. Oh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but um, so Miss Mac, go ahead about Miss Mac, Justin. Well, she's just like, uh, is like a char uh, characterization or yeah, characterization of an alcoholic. She's got alcohol hid everywhere. She has this kind of like classic uh, motherly aunt kind of figure thing, but she's also sneaking alcohol and cursing this the girls under her breath when they're not around i like when she tries to hide the poster from the dad oh yeah, yeah is yeah. that in like her own house no this is the sorority house okay because then they leave to go somewhere but i can and the dad takes her to go somewhere looking for the girls but i couldn't figure out that was confusing to me i think that was his daughter's room okay. were they in claire's room I think, I, so. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah, they're in Claire's room in the sorority house. Yeah. Well, anyways, yeah. So the dad, part of the humor also comes from the dad uh, is a very conservative older man, and he goes to the dorm, and he's just kind of outraged by the the hippie kind of post revolution stuff. There's the the pictures, and one of them has the guy giving the middle finger, and then there's the peace sign made by the two naked bodies laying on top of each other, and, and yeah. Miss Mac is trying to like ah hide it with her hands. <laughs> um, yeah, went up. But Mac, uh, the funny thing about her is she—it's not that she has bottles of liquor hidden; it's that it's in very cartoonish ways. 
Yeah. Like she has one, she's cut out the perfect shape of the bottle inside of a book. Yeah. One's in the, the water tank of the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And she just drinks it without washing it off, uh, which I guess that's how you know you're an alcoholic, you know, if you're hiding <laughs> liquor and you're not even washing the bottle before you drink it. <laughs> I know that water's clean, it's coming in, it hasn't been in the toilet bowl yet, but still. <laughs> that, that toilet bowl looked pretty gross, Ugh. to be honest. Uh, what else? Oh, and the, when we first see um, Claire's dad's kid just randomly hits him in the face with a snowball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of good uh, good humor here. There's also um, there, there's also the scene where, so Barb, obviously, as we've explained, is getting drunk. And so the whole point is, uh, we didn't really explain it, but um, Claire's dad goes, finds out where the 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 uh, sorority house is and he goes to talk to them and barb is drunk and she keeps saying stuff she talks tells the story about the um the the drunken not the drunken she's drunk the the turtles that can have sex for three days oh yeah, oh, yeah that's right <laughs> and she talks about going to the zoo and watching animals have sex and the whole time the father's just like uh... <laughs> <coughs> um Barb is a realistic character, uh, especially if you were, you know, partied in college, you knew people like Barb. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Barb gets put to bed fairly early in the movie, and then she doesn't really come back, which is sad. Yeah. <laughs> I like Barb. Um, but anything else? Are we missing anything? Uh, well, anyways, I think the movie has some good comedy, and for me, it works most of it. I don't, I, like, I actually laugh several times in this movie, so... Uh, but now some more serious stuff. So like I said, Barb is, uh, where are we in the movie? Claire's father has come to look for, um, come look for her. Barb has gotten drunk. They've tried to report it to the police, but the stupid cop isn't taking things seriously. Barb blames herself, right? Cause she said something mean to Claire before Claire disappeared. Mm -hmm. And Barb is so drunk that she passes out. Uh, and now we're really following Jess. Jess is the main character for the rest of this movie. Okay. And Jess has a boyfriend named Peter. Um, Mia, did you like Peter? Uh, I certainly did not. <laughs> certainly did not. Why not? Why don't you like Peter? He's a charming guy. He, he's a narcissist. <laughs> he's a narcissist. That's a good insult. Narcissist. Yeah, he's a misogynistic narcissist. Mm -hmm. No, I think, you know, that's probably fair. Um, so what is he? he? He is a music major. He works at the... Um, he's a pianist. Yes, he's a piano player. And um, so the main drama here is that, I don't know, Justin, what's the, uh, what's the drama going on between Jess and Peter? Um, well, Jess is pregnant and she has decided that she doesn't want to keep the baby. And so she tells Peter on the day in which he has his concert and he's so distraught that it's on his big special day that he's learned this news. Um, and he quickly decides that uh, how he's going to respond to the situation is insist that they get married. Um, and he very quickly makes it about him and um yeah gets pretty aggressive pretty quickly about how 
he thinks he's going to tell her what to do and kind of talking down to her and being verbally abusive um, pretty quickly. Yeah, so I don't want to get off on a abortion too much, uh, but this was in 1974. So it's pretty edgy material for a movie. Um, you know, Roe versus Wade had only happened the previous year. Um, it's dealt with in a pretty serious way, I would say, you know. Um, so yeah, she's pregnant. She tells her boyfriend, and he, he has the nerve to say, why do you only think about yourself? <laughs> uh -huh. She's pregnant in college with her boyfriend's baby. Um, but uh yeah, and she says, I'm not keeping it. And he says, yes, you are. And she says, no, I'm not. And this makes him so upset that he screws up his big piano performance in front of, I guess that's his professors or something. That's a really uncomfortable scene, just watching him botch it. Yeah. yeah. Especially because it's mentioned he's been practicing for four days without sleep, apparently. So, yeah, he's that kind of guy. But he screws it up. Um, other reasons to not like Peter uh oh yeah he does that thing in horror movies that i hate where you sneak up behind somebody yeah. to scare them because you know you're in a horror movie <laughs> says that he was napping upstairs yeah um which is a little weird yeah to make it worse like he doesn't just sneak it she doesn't she doesn't even know he's in the house okay he's been he's in the house without her knowing and sneaks up on her while she's getting prank phone calls um so yeah, that's a jerk move. Don't do that. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, he smashes the school piano because he, his performance went bad with like a stool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so alert. this time- Red alert, red alert, red alert. Yeah, there's a lot of, stay away from this guy. He's, he's out there. Um, so they have another fight. This time he's saying, hey, here's what's gonna happen. I'm quitting music school. You're keeping the baby and we're getting married. And she's like- no we're not he's like yeah we are no we're not so he gets pissed off and leaves again all right so peter yeah <laughs> yay um now things are getting really serious and the police are finally starting to take um jess's well the sorty house's report seriously because one a 13 year old girl is reported missing um, and we also get introduced to an actual good cop who is John Saxon, everybody, John Saxon. If you're a big film nerd, uh, you probably know who John Saxon is. Um, did either of you by any chance recognize him? The, the smart cop? Mm -mm. No? no, that is John Saxon. Uh, as I just said, so <laughs> in, I just keep saying the name because he's a legend again. It's helping me out a whole lot. John <laughs> the name of the actor. Hey, no, um, hold on, Jeff. What was, what was his name? John, <laughs> uh, John Smith. Or, and <laughs> <laughs> I just, well, it's funny that you, you were like talking about that guy because of the only comment uh, my sister and I, well, we were all watching it. My sister was watching it with us and we're like, oh my God, that guy looks like Zac Efron. But <laughs> John Saxon. <laughs> Maybe Zach Efron looks like John Saxon. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Anyways, uh, so who is he if you don't know? He was in Enter the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. Have you guys seen that uh, one? I don't know that I've no, seen I that. No, I have not seen that. I mean, that. I know the. I know about the movie and I know Bruce Lee, but mm -hmm. I do not. 
Yeah, uh, he was one of the main characters in that movie with Bruce Lee. Uh, to horror fans, he's probably best known as Nancy's dad in A Nightmare on Elm Street, um, where, where he also played a cop. That was part one, part three. Uh, and he also shows up again in New Nightmare. So for, for you horror fans, that's probably where you know him best from is the, the father police officer in A Nightmare on Elm Street. So he pops up in a lot of things. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's smart. And unlike his, I don't know. Like Nash. Yeah. <laughs> Lieutenant. yeah. Yeah. Unlike Nash, he's basically there to keep telling Nash, hey, you're really missing basic stuff here. That's important. So um, so now everybody's looking for the girl. Okay. Um, we have a search party is organized for the missing girl with most of the house joining, except for Miss Mac, who is still busy going around the house fighting hidden liquor bottles. I don't even know why she, well, I guess she doesn't want them to know she drinks. I mean, they're allowed, they're all drinking, but I guess she doesn't want them to know. It's a secret, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, so Stephen King said about alcoholics that alcoholics lie for practice. <laughs> so yeah uh, she's probably not supposed to be drinking if she's the one who's supposed to be watching over the girls but uh, anyways she's getting drinking getting ready to go on a trip but she's led into the attic by the meowing cat what was the cat's name I don't remember the cat's name she keeps saying it um, well anyways um, is the cat okay I hope the cat's okay uh, who um, knows we haven't seen him we never actually get to, we see him at one point. Oh, there's the scene where he's like licking the plastic bag over her face. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but then we never really see if the cat gets out okay. So uh, I hope the cat's okay. <laughs> but um, so she's, this baby. I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. Well, she gets lured up into the attic because that's where the cat has gone. Claude. Um, Claude. 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 Are you there, Claude? Claude. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so she goes up into the attic and so she's the first one to find claire's body you know uh, no one knows where claire is she's up in the attic and what is going on with her her death scene do you guys remember how she ties yeah it was like a little three like the cure is there in the corner and then there's it's like a claw looking thing like in the actual kill scene it looks like there's like a three-pronged claw thing but then it pulls her up and out um, like, like it was a crane or on a pulley system or something. And then she is hanging from in the attic when we see her again later. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a, a hook on a crane. Did, did the killer, <laughs> this one confuses me a little bit. Did the killer just like bring all this and set up in the attic? Did he find a crane with a big sharp hook in the <laughs> attic? Um, with a pulley system? I don't know. Uh, and also, he just kind of hooks her by like throwing it at her. I don't think that would have compelled her. Yeah. But uh, either way, she dies here. Um, so somehow she gets impaled by this hook that's connected to a pulley system and gets hung up in the attic. And um, this is where you start to see some of the slasher tropes coming in because it's not just that people are getting killed. They're getting killed and bizarre ways right yeah. uh, one person's been strangled with plastic now we've got someone hooked on a pulley system and strung up but anyways goodbye miss mac you were fun uh, <laughs> now what's going on in the story oh they find the girl's body 
the little well, she's 13 years old. They find her dead in the park. And because she is um, the girls are still getting obscene phone calls, the police decide to attempt to trace the call. And the calls just keep getting creepier and creepier, but um, they are never long enough for the police to trace. So they have to tell her, like, you got to keep him on the phone, which there's some tension there. You know, the last thing you want to do when this guy's calling you is keep him on the phone, you know? Yeah. But, um, and I guess I've never thought about it, but um, when people say trace the call, is that how it really works? Is there someone in a place somewhere running around to see if it rings? Maybe in the 70s. It's not Maybe anymore. in the 70s. Yeah, not anymore, but I guess that's how it worked back then. There was yeah, like it physical seemed like, call rooms. Yeah. They didn't have star 69 or what is it when you yeah, <laughs> yeah, when it calls back. The last time called you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> star 69. I'm dating right? myself yeah. here. Yeah. So what what is he doing? He's like basically he's running around and looking to see which lines are active. And then he taps, literally taps into them to see if it's the person talking and by doing that he can see where it's coming from it was kind of cool it adds a little more drama to the scene um now we also have um the most what i think is probably the most memorable death scene with uh the carolers anybody want to take that one yeah i'll do it i'll do it so some carolers come to the door and just opens it and she's just listening to the kids caroling and then so then it goes upstairs and upstairs you see barb sleeping oh no wait does it no wait do the carolers come before barb has her asthma attack uh, uh, oh, we, we skipped that over so yeah uh let's talk about that sure the there's a scene where barb who has just been passed out this whole movie the killer comes into her room and she like wakes up and has, well, go, you, you tell us, Mia, you brought it up. <laughs> okay, cool. So then she, so she starts having an asthma attack because she's passed out and realizes that, or feels like it's a dream that somebody entered her room and then just comes in and she, you know, takes a puff puff of her asthma medicine or her inhaler. And then she goes right back to bed. And that's when the carolers come in, just opens the door and listening to the carolers. And then you're back in Barb's room where she's pleasantly sleeping. Then suddenly you see a dark figure creeping up on her beautiful crystal collection of ponies and different animals and he decides to back grab the unicorn head and <laughs> impales her many times with the unicorn <laughs> yeah now i wanted to ask is what where did he get that from was it uh i need to rewatch that scene my first thought was was it a chess set like a glass chess set or was it just figures she has yeah she has a whole bunch of like glass figures uh mm. and especially like different animals i saw like maybe like maybe a giraffe or like different they're different glass figures because they get knocked over too right. um, but he grabs the big unicorn head and uses the unicorn horn to impale her many many times and i think that's the one gory scene that we have in the movie yeah uh it's um this is the one where you get some blood and uh it's done in a very kind of artistic way you're cutting back and forth between the stabbing and the carolers and the, the there's a nice contrast here because Jess for the first time in the movie is feeling some actual Christmas spirit 
you know, you can see on her face that she's like, oh, this is so nice, carolers. And um, then you have Barb getting stabbed to death while that's going on as the kids are singing. Um, but the kids make it creepier. I know they're not actors. I think they were an actual chorus. Um, but their faces are like super blank <laughs> yeah. as they're singing. They're not like smiling. They're like, hey, we're kids going around the neighborhood. They all, they look like they could be killers. Um, But yeah, I think, and this is the scene where you see maybe some of the Jalo influences, the really kind of like artistic kill scenes. Um, So what do we have left here? We have two girls left at this point. Uh, Everyone's dead, but we still don't know, except for... um, we have Jess and we have the curly haired girl. I think her name was, was it Phil? Phil, Phil yeah. Yep. Phil. So there's another funny scene with uh, the people come come to the door. Justin, you want to tell us about that scene? The guys coming to that, the house? Yeah. So I thought this was going to be a way for them to like go find some of the bodies in the attic. Mm-hmm. But uh, so the police have organized a search party kind of going door to door. These two really awkward guys. Uh, show up with a gun and telling them that they're going door to door and uh one of the girls tells them that they can't come in because the dog died um (laughs) and so they won't basically won't let them in but the men keep talking anyways and like repeating themselves saying like it'll be safe it'll be safe and they'll like close the door and they'll still be talking and so they made it kind of awkward that it was these two men at the door of the sorority house yeah uh, well first off they don't knock on the door she sees one of them because he like sticks his face in the window <laughs> oh yeah 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 that's right um and then these guys are i guess they're kind of trying to feel like tough guys you know one of them's got a gun like you said and they're like you girls will be safe we're just patrolling the neighborhood there's a killer out you know uh like, yeah we know goodbye but i guess the guys are thinking like oh these are sorority girls let's talk to them as long as we can uh-huh. and uh it was kind of funny um and when they finally close the door she says i'd rather face the killer than those guys they laugh <laughs> yeah they're like what was that um that's pretty much the last funny moment in the movie <laughs> uh you needed that little break but uh oh but the men as even though they were portrayed as kind of stupid they gave them good advice because when the girls close the door, they're like, you do realize we've only locked one door in the house. <laughs> Everything else is unlocked. Like, yeah, we should. There's a dead child and we're getting obscene phone calls and our friends are missing. We should probably lock everything down. Um, so that's what they do. And they go around locking everything up. Now, unfortunately, Phil, I like Phil. Uh, I like a lot of the girls in this movie, but I liked Phil. Um, she's murdered off camera. I think she goes into one of the rooms and the killer like closes the door so you don't really see what happens yeah she goes and checks on barb and then the killer closes the door and then that's as much as you see from phil afterwards Mm, that's right so um she uh yeah like you said she's just checking on barb and the killer's in there so bye phil (laughs) but jess gets another phone call and this time it's finally long enough to be traced and, um, which we all already know this, but where's the phone call coming from, everybody? In the second line in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, there, is it the final call or is it the one before that? 
where it gives us a big clue that it might be Peter. Um, because it's a call it, before that. It's a call before that because it, uh, the caller talks about, has like a reference to the abortion and uses yeah. the same exact language that Peter uses. Um, so yeah. yeah, I did wanna, I was about to get into that. So let's talk about that. Peter is made out to be the killer. Um, now, so when you guys are watching this, uh, did any of you think, oh, okay, it's Peter or? Yeah. Mia shouted it a couple times and her and Gracie maybe at the same time. I mean, it a couple times. the bob or the bowl cut is like, you know, you can't miss it when the killer comes in to kill Barb. He's got a bowl cut. Mm, they both have the same haircut. I didn't even yeah. think about that. Um, there's a lot of clues there. What are some of the clues? Uh, well, Justin, what did you think? Did you think Peter was the killer or did you think it was a fake out? Well, I thought they were making it too obvious, um, but I don't have a good uh, <laughs> a good explanation <laughs> for um, how it, like they set it up too obviously for it not to be him, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like the killer does use the like exact words that Peter was using that no one else would have heard except for her. So it's a little weird, like they set it up very much like it has to be him and then of course maybe it goes a different direction um but so yeah i, I think they make you believe that it's peter yeah i felt like it'd been a long time since i watched the movie and I, even re-watching it i was like wait is peter the killer i can't remember um but he they build it up pretty good like it's going to be him like okay you see that he's at first he seems just kind of like a somewhat unlikable guy then he seems to be more and more unhinged and then there's a really one of the scariest parts in the movie where the the guy on the phone call says just like removing a wart which is what yeah. he had said to her comparing getting an abortion to like you're not taking this seriously and when you hear that you're like oh my god is it peter and that's a pretty scary line but then it gets a little bit too obvious so you think okay well it can't be him if they're making it this obvious right um yeah, so I, I I don't know. I thought it's um, it's it is a red herring. We do find out it's not Peter because so what happens next? Um, Phil Phil's murdered off camera. The phone call gets traced. Oh, so John Saxon tells the idiot. Oh, why does he do this? At this point, it's his fault. Okay, <laughs> You're letting this cop do these important things. It's also kind of your fault. You know, but um. He tells him not to, he, he calls her and he tell. okay, he calls Nash. He says, Nash, Nash tells him, look, the phone call is coming from uh, inside the house. He says, no, that's where the phones are going to, you idiot. He says, they're also going, coming from the house. Okay, so you call her, don't freak her out. <laughs> tell her very calmly, like, hey, just put the phone down, come on outside. And how does that go for Nash? Not well, of course. He does. He does do what he's told. Yeah, and then he then he spills the beans. Yeah. yeah. Cures in the house. You must listen to me. Well, she well she starts like, "What about the girls?" And he's yeah. like, "Just go outside." And then yeah. she's like, "You gotta go." But yeah, he does tell her that the killer's inside. But I think yeah, he he at first he starts to do it well. He's like, "Listen," but he's he's being. 
I don't know. I've been in situations where I've had to tell people really bad things, you know, and there's a way you go about it without freaking them out. And you can usually tell when somebody has about is about to tell you something bad. Oh, so yeah. He starts off really poorly, you know, like, um, but he does say what he's supposed to say. Put the phone down, come outside. Um, but then he like loses his temper and starts yelling at her. And then he's like, what about my friends? No, don't do that. The killer's in the house. <laughs> You were told not to tell her the killer's in the house. Uh, so, good job, Nash. You screwed everything up again. Uh, your whole existence is useless. <laughs> um, so, of course, she goes to check on her friends, and she finds Barb and Phil dead in a room, and they're, they're like, bodies are arranged. So that's probably the goriest or grossest scene, yeah. you know, where she finds their dead bodies. And that's another thing that always happens in slasher movies where somebody finally finds all the dead bodies mm -hmm. you know after the whole movie of people disappearing um but we have here what i think is the scariest moment in the whole movie where you see the killer's eye through the door yeah that was really good that yeah because you just heard him i mean you've kind of you kind of seen you've seen his hands at one point you've kind of seen a shadowy figure in the background but this scene, you see his eye, and it's like super wide, and you hear him making the voices. And I don't know why it's so effective. Mm -hmm. <sighs> uh, I guess because you're finally confronted with him. This is as close as you get to being confronted with the killer, right? Um, so he attacks her, and she runs away, and she hides in the basement. And Peter gets what's coming to him. What does Peter do now? He picks the perfect time to show up. <laughs> Peter decides to show up and um, instead of using the front door, like a normal person decides, he's going to break in through the basement. Yeah. Uh, because what would have indicated him to him that just was down there? Who knows? But yeah. he breaks in through the basement and then finds Jess cowering in a corner with a poker. Yeah. Well, I guess the idea was, I mean, this is a guy who does not like not getting his way. So uh, it's kind of an awkward scene, but I guess he was supposed to have gone to the front door and couldn't get in. So now he's like, well, I'm just going to go go around until I can find a way in. Um, but yeah, and this this also does really well the scene because the whole time, the whole movie, you're thinking like, is it Peter? Is it not? He always seems to show up just around the right time. And at this point, she just gotten away from the killer. And then there's Peter being like, hey, it's me, just Peter. So you're abusive thinking, boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're thinking what she's thinking, like, is that him or is he the killer? Or is he not the killer? And he doesn't help his case when he smashes in the window, crawls into the basement to get to her. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, so then we cut away. Uh, so Jess is still kind of like hiding and trying to hide from. Him. She's got that fire poker. We go back to the police uh, who arrive, and they had actually stationed a police officer in front of the in front of the house, but he's had his throat slit. That's like, okay. That's that's maybe the goriest moment when you see his throat is slit. Um, and they go search the house, and they find Jess, and they find Peter, and it looks like, uh, I guess Jess just slaughtered Peter because she was so scared. You know, yeah, because she and she's basically completely broken down. She's in a catatonic state. Yeah. So it's not really explained. Uh, I guess you could also believe that the real killer killed Peter and it broke her. But I think you're supposed to believe that 
she just got so scared that she killed Peter. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Mm. So the police now uh, believe they have confirmed what they already suspected, that Peter was the killer. And Jess is completely broken down. She can't speak. She's basically just in shock. So they take her to bed. Now, a lot of things happen at once here as we're getting close to the end of the movie. First of all, Claire's father goes into shock and starts to pass out. Um, I I guess when he's overhearing the details, the police are saying what happened. It's finally just enough for him (laughs) after all the stress. And he now knows that his daughter is dead. So he passes out and they're trying to get him to a hospital. A bunch of reporters come in and they're like, oh, let's get the reporters out of here and let's just go down to the police station. So they leave Jess alone with just one, <laughs> just one police officer left outside the front door. All right. And who wants to get the, the kind of final scene here? Okay, I'll do it. So, sure. What's the last what? thing we see? Okay. So towards the, so it's zooming out of the room where Jess is passed out, um, or I, I guess she's just passed out. Um, I think she's in medicine. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's in the room by herself, right? She's in she is room. by herself. Yeah, it's just her in the house as far as yeah. we know. Yeah, and she's out like a lamp and it zooms out and it starts going up towards the, the um, what is it, the attic the attic and you realize that both um claire and the um i can't remember now mrs what miss um, mac miss mac. mac have not been found by the cops and they're still upstairs in the attic yeah. um, and then you it starts zooming out of the house and you see the outside of the house and then you hear the phone ring mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's pretty much, and it just rings and rings, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. So yeah, like you said, we learned that the co- the cops they didn't search the attic yet. Um, so the bodies are dead bodies are still up there. They haven't found all the corpses. The killer is still up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely was not Peter. You know, for a moment there, you think maybe it was Peter. Nope. And Jess is alone in the house with the phone ringing. Meaning the killer is probably about to go get to Jess too. <laughs> yep. And that's the yeah. end. <laughs> so uh, what did you guys think about the ending? Um, was it frustrating? Uh, no, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good ending. I did was I like was a little confused and then I looked yeah. it up. I was like looking to see some of the details and how it because it was left ambiguous and so but I thought it was like a I thought it was a good ending because you were never actually confirmed whether he was not he 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 was apparently just an abusive narcissistic dick you know and and not a killer (laughs) I I don't know he could have become a killer eventually he was abusive um but uh it would it never a lot of the times when movies won't give you concrete things, it frustrates me. But this one wasn't as frustrating because they were alluding to certain things, but they never made it, you know, they never verified anything. And I thought I, I liked the movie. So I, even though it was, the ending was ambiguous, I enjoyed it. What about you, Justin? Did you like the ending? Did you want more? Did you think it was, what do you think? Yeah, I, 
I thought some of it was a little cheap. So I like the movie too. It's really creepy. They do a really good job setting up Peter. But I do think, like I said earlier, the kind of having the warp removed piece really uh, and having it come out of the killer's mouth felt like a step too far in the setup, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess. And then the way it comes together so quickly at the end, you really, you do, I think, need to see it a second time uh, to kind of figure out what's going on and piece together that uh, she's been left alone and the phone's ringing. Because for a moment, I thought it was maybe like almost a flashback in her mind rather than it actually playing out like the ringing was going on in her mind and it was just kind of zooming out, showing it was still like haunting her. So it wasn't as like, uh clear or fulfilling of an ending as i would like and then i don't you know i it doesn't leave me with a lot of other candidates on who the killer is which maybe is part of the point maybe it's supposed to be an unnamed un you know not a uh a face you that doesn't exist kind of killer um but yeah i thought the the setup with peter there were pieces of it that as i was thinking back about it i felt were a little cheap but mm-hmm. it's really creepy and it if it had given us a little bit more of the killer, it seems like it could have had kind of a Michael Myers vibe to it in the sense that like you could have had more about this killer. I mean, there's mm-hmm. something clearly going on, like twisted and tortured with this, with this poor soul that uh, could be like further delved into that. We don't, they don't really do anything else with other than it's just kind of a faceless. That's the word I was looking for. Faceless yeah. nameless killer. Yeah. So this one, I think, this was probably the movie that set that up then. I could be wrong, um, but this may have been the one of the, the, that started the faceless killer thing, you know, where you don't really know who they are or why they are. But here it's pretty extreme. You know nothing. You are giving all, very, very little other than like mumbled lines on the phone calls to work with. Because I think well, we can say pretty safely that um, whoever the killer is, it's not someone else in the movie. I don't think it's anyone else we've seen. Yeah. Um, it's just somebody who snuck into the house was crazy and killed a bunch of people and that's all we get to know so it is a little frustrating Hmm? but that can be realistic there are tons of but some killers that just because they saw somebody walking down the street or they've been observing you know like just or just because it was they had the feeling that time when they were passing that house and you know what that's that's where it's gonna happen you know yeah i think it's, it's not unrealistic but it is kind of frustrating as a, a viewer, you know, because I'm like you, I, I, I usually want more explanation by the time a movie is over. I have to all explain, but uh, here it's not really explained at all, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, except for, well, do you guys have any, we've kind of talked about it already, but any theories about who the killer was then, or did <laughs> we all pretty much just said we don't know? No, so I I don't know, but I did read. Uh, that a, there was a remake, or like there's been a, two remakes. <laughs> but you're probably talking about the 2006 one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so I, but I was just reading. I maybe, but they uh they actually address who the killer is in one of the movies, right? Or some, or they make a story about him. Uh, it being like um, like a weird uh ancestral relationship between some other characters or something like that um but i didn't read i was just viewing some of that but i'm sure you did you read some of that stuff 
Uh, yeah, a little bit. I haven't seen the 2006 remake, um, but apparently they do go more in depth. Now, uh, again, Joe Bob said, I wasn't able to verify this. I didn't have time, but um, he said that Bob Clark had a backstory for the character. And apparently Bob Clark talks about it in a documentary that, um, but I heard of a couple different things. So the, the killer is Billy, which makes sense because you hear him talking Billy a lot when he's doing other voices. Um, he had a sister, Agnes, which also makes sense because you hear about Agnes. Um, the incest thing might be true because at some points you hear him saying like, don't tell them what we did, you know, stuff like that. But apparently either Billy was abused by his parents or he was already mentally deranged and he killed his parents and maybe tried to kill his sister or he tortured his sister. So all that stuff you can kind of gather once you've listened to the uh, what he says in the phone calls a little bit. Um, there was another interesting one that the sorority house used to be his house because that's why he knows his way around. And in the attic, there's all these like kids toys for no reason at a college sorority house. So I kind of like that idea that he's going, which is like, what Michael Myers did, right? He's kind of going back to where he's from um, to finish the job. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, but I do think that Billy is probably the creepiest slasher villain um, in part because you do know so little about him, you know? Yeah. Um, he's just a voice on the phone. And some of those voices, you know, uh, when you're listening to it, you're not even sure if it's one person or are you listening to like a possessed person or what? Um, because he does so many voices. It's really, really creepy. It's also creepy that a couple times you hear him say like, almost like he wants to be stopped. Like part of him knows what he's doing is wrong. He says like, please stop me. <laughs> so yeah, great movie. I don't know. Um, like you were saying, there was a remake in 2006. I haven't seen because not too many people say good things about it. Um, and then there was one in 2019 that nobody said anything good about. <laughs> that was supposed to be just horrible. Um, yeah, that's Black Christmas. Did we cover everything? So I would like to say that I enjoyed the movie. I thought that they address realistic concerns for college students mm -hmm. uh, within the time and the way that the dialogue or the dialogue between the abusive boyfriend and the girlfriend was really great, especially talking about the topics on abortion. That yeah, was good yeah like, like I mentioned earlier, it's a movie that it respects the characters. It, it very quickly became, slasher movies became like, let's just get some stupid kids and kill them off and you don't like them. So it's kind of mm -hmm. fun when they get killed. Uh, whereas in this movie, it's still, it's more scary because they're real people, right? And there are real issues done in a mostly respectful way. And um, you do have uh, abuse, but the abuse is also done in a serious way, right? So mm -hmm. it's not just, ex not just exploitation. So yeah, I think it's a good point. There's a lot of great things to say about this movie. Uh, I think it's a classic. Uh, it would be interesting to see what the slasher genre, what horror would be like without this movie. And this film, I think in the mainstream, doesn't get enough credit. People always think Friday the 13th or Halloween is the first slasher movie. Again, as we said earlier, is this the first slasher movie? Well, I think that's up for debate, but uh, it's certainly, it certainly came before Halloween and Friday the 13th, and it's a very important film and a very good film. So 
yeah, I recommend this one. Definitely watch it. And I don't know, Justin, anything else like the movie? Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, if you like being frightened, the the audio of the phone calls is as frightening as any kind of audio call that someone might receive, particularly when the cops are like trying to convince you to wait longer. And it does seem like it's this abusive boyfriend torturing you. The voices, though, were really, I mean, they, they raised the hair on my skin, which is not easy to do in a horror movie anymore and it's it's really freaking creepy the voices are done really well so the movie is creepy it's got comedy sort of christmas themed although uh, not really i mean it <laughs> it takes place on christmas okay it takes place yeah. near and around christmas <laughs> there's christmas carols there's snow there's trees yeah yeah um it's christmas uh, so it's, it's like a little shout out than blood freak was a thanksgiving movie okay yeah, <laughs> just barely uh they're like singing carols uh as part of it so i guess that counts um and it's sometime near the holidays there was a christmas party there was a guy dressed up as santa Mm -hmm. i mean yeah it just didn't happen christmas (laughs) day or christmas eve but it's uh, a christmas theme there are are some christmas elements to it there was a wreath with liquor on it there's a wreath with liquor (laughs) But I was missing a paper mache turkey head uh, yes. around. Wrong holiday. <laughs> that, that's the uh, the director's cut. It's Billy and like a. That was good and creepy. Yeah, this is a really great movie. Like I said, there were two remakes. Uh, two thousand six. Like I said, the I I haven't watched any of the remakes. I don't. I might watch the two thousand six one because I'd be interested to see more explanation on Billy um but it, it's a movie it's one of those movies that just doesn't need to really be remade i don't think in the first place and they've remade it twice now um but great movie definitely go see this one if you haven't seen it if you've listened this far that we've kind of ruined it for you so uh yeah try to watch the movies before you listen to the podcast <laughs> um i don't know except for the last one blood freak we were kind of like yeah you don't need to watch it just listen you'll you'll get a, get enough <laughs> yeah. to decide if you want to watch it but uh okay so what else we got we covered thanksgiving this is covers christmas uh next the next episode we should have out shortly will be a new year's movie and this one is new year's evil evil does it take place on new year's eve yes it does it's definitely (laughs) a new year's eve movie (laughs) good Um, finally (laughs) justin will be satisfied (laughs) Uh uh-huh and that's part of the plot and yeah okay so new year's evil i guess so you guys is that all three slasher movies so yeah pretty much this next one is also a slasher movie uh new new year's evil everybody go watch new year's evil um i don't know if you'll like it or not i think it's fun um but uh all right yeah we moved from continuous zombie movies to now slasher Slasher, movies Yeah, we have to do and, some mixing it up as we start our. Uh, we need to add some ghosts. Script. Yeah, some ghosts and some vampires. Some vampires. Ooh. Yeah, in January, starting in January and February, we're going to get back on a regular schedule once the holidays are over. Um, do we get to and, pick them again? Are we going to do our routine again for next year and take turns? Yeah, I've already yeah. got the uh, the list up where you guys can put. Your All right, we were talking. Nice, we were just yeah. discussing today what some of the movies we wanted to do next year were. So perfect timing. Yep, that's all ready. I'm thinking about it. Try and 
I try and keep a mix going. Um, I make a list of movies. This, uh, I'm like, oh, I want to talk about this movie, this movie, and they're all zombie movies. Uh, so, but there's a lot. And also, everybody, um, send in requests. You know, let us know. We're happy to. Uh, I'd love to hear what other people think about the movies more and uh, cover ones other people ask for. We've already covered a lot of the really big name films, so but there's always more movies. Yeah, we need to do some on like technology gone wrong because um, I'm all for that. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I put in Videodrome is one for you, Justin, um, or any 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 uh, uh, David Cronenberg. Cronenberg, yeah, that's right, yeah. I've told you many times, so that could be one we get to soon. And uh, all right, so with that, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks, guys. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.